longer you are, gather together as God's people and focus completely on Jesus and his sacrifice on our behalf. Let us just go before the Lord now in prayer. Lord, here we are and we're standing in awe, awe of your mercy, of your grace, of your sovereignty. For who is like you that would love to such degree that you would create us and though we be sinners, you would reconcile us to yourself so that we might share in the joy of relationship with you. And so Lord, as we now turn to your word, we're asking God that in the same spirit of worship, you would teach us through your spirit and we commit our time to you now expectantly in Jesus' name. Amen. And you may be seated. If you want to find your Bibles and turn to the book of Philippians, Philippians chapter 3. Every year when we come to Good Friday, it is always a time of just significant solemnity as we really seek to focus deeply on Jesus Christ and especially his sacrifice. In fact, that's what brings us here. That's why tonight was a priority for you and for your family to think deeply of Jesus Christ. You see, you and I that really know Jesus, we don't want to settle for a superficial relationship. Our world is filled with superficiality, quick, fast, no depth. But we know that we are created to really know God, to experience the depth of relationship that God offers And yet sometimes we're not exactly sure how do you go about that. Certainly we're here tonight because of respect and reverence for Jesus Christ. But I want you to know that God is calling us to a deep, abiding relationship with his son. And how does knowing Christ and his death and his resurrection really make us new? We understand that we're new creatures in Christ, but how do we experience a depth in our relationship with him. And the passage I'd like to draw your attention to tonight, Philippians chapter 3, verses 7 through 11, I want you to know that this is the Apostle Paul's personal pathway. The text that we're going to look at tonight is, means such significance for me personally. Because I don't want to be superficial I know that there are millions of people that just go through the motion, especially on a weekend like Easter weekend. I was once one of them, going through the motions, doing what you think you had to do, but I had no real relationship with Christ. And so tonight I would like to just share with you how you and I can experience a depth of relationship with Christ. And so I'd like to just read this text and then I'm just going to highlight exactly how you and I can experience this newness of life. Philippians chapter 3, verse 7. And the Apostle Paul writes, Whatever things were gained to me, those things I have counted as loss for the sake of Christ. More than that, I count all things to be loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them but rubbish so that I may gain Christ and may be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law, but that 
which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death in order that I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. If you want to experience depth in your relationship with Jesus, know this, knowing Christ gives us a new perspective about our past. You see how Paul highlights that? He says, verse 7, whatever things were gained to me, those things I have counted as loss for the sake of Christ. What were these things that were gained to the Apostle Paul? Well, if you've read Philippians chapter 3, that's what he talks about in the preceding verses. You know, he says, listen, I used to have great confidence in my flesh, in my abilities, my personal performance. He says that in verse 4. He says, I I had the ability to have real confidence in my flesh. I was circumcised, verse 5, in the eighth day of the nation of Israel. I was of the tribe of Benjamin. I'm a Hebrew of Hebrews. As to the law, look what he said. As to the law, I'm a Pharisee. Man, I am of the strictest order. As to zeal, you want to know how zealous I was for my religion? I'll show you. I was a persecutor of the church. And as to the righteousness which is in the law, as to my ability to keep the law, you want to know how committed I was? Look what he said. I was found blameless. But then in the very next verse, he says, but whatever things were gained to me, my life, my security, my understanding of relationship with God was all wrapped into that. And he says, whatever thing was, everything that was gained to me, those things, those things I have now counted as loss for the sake of Christ. And Paul is actually using accounting terms here. Loss, gain. And he's saying, the things that I most valued, I found my identity wrapped into, the, the box that said God that I checked, I did so with great zealous, zealousness. And yet... I want you to know that I, I now count them completely rubbish. It's, it's not that he's saying that, well, my whole Jewish background and my heritage as a family, it means nothing. Actually, that was not the case at all. Uh, he didn't repudiate the family that he came from or his Jewish background. What he actually found is that he was now a completed Jew. The promises that God gave to the people of Israel... He said, I finally realized that those are fulfilled in Christ and Christ alone. He is a true child of Abraham. And then he says in verse 8, more than that, I count all things to be loss in view of the surpassing value of, and you might want to underline this, knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them but rubbish so that I may gain Christ. That word knowing, it's not an intellectual knowledge like I know about Jesus. I know facts about Christ. There are many, many people in the world that know facts about Jesus. But this is the know to know experientially, personally, relationally. God doesn't want you just to know facts about him. 
He doesn't want you going through motions, finding your identity wrapped up in a religion. He wants you and I to know him personally. It is the personal relationship for me to to come to this amazing discovery that not only God is real, but that he's relational and that he has called me to, to a relationship with himself through Christ. That's what he's saying. All of the things in my past, they really mean nothing to me compared to knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. It's not just knowing that He's Jesus, his personal name, that he's human, not knowing that he's Messiah, Christ, Christos, but to know him as Lord. So many people are like, well, I just, I have my faith in Jesus, but I pretty much do whatever I want. This kind of Southern idea of like, well, I'm in the Bible belt. and Yeah, I love Jesus, but it means nothing about to me. That's not really knowing Christ. It's to know him, knowing Jesus Christ, my Lord that he's the true God of your life, that your life is oriented around him. And so what happens is that God gives us a new perspective on our past. It's kind of like for Paul, it's like if you're really good at the game of Monopoly, and I'm sure some of you guys are stellar, right? And gals out there, you just can't wait to get a good Monopoly game because you just kind of work people in the ground. You are just a mastermind when it comes to Monopoly. You've got greenhouses and red hotels, You've got, you've got all sorts of colorful money, right? The more, the merrier, right? I mean, you're so good. You own the utilities, the railroads, and you even have a get-out-of-jail-free card. You're awesome. And what happens is you're like, you know, I've got everything that I need. And so you, you take all of your Monopoly money and all of its pretty colors, and then you go to the store, and you try to buy something with that Monopoly money. And they're like, are you kidding me? I'm like, hey, wait a second. This is, this is money. I earned this. In fact, I've got a lot of houses and cars. You need to know who you're talking with. Well, they would just kind of laugh at you like, hey, listen, friend. (laughs) That may work in Monopoly, but that means nothing in the real world. And friends, all of our religious behavior, all of the things that we had put our hope and stock in, if it's not knowing Christ, his goodness and his holiness, that is the currency of God holiness, goodness, righteousness. And all of our religious behavior, it's like Monopoly money. And you can be really proud about how you play Monopoly or really proud about your religious behavior, but it means nothing. And that's what he says. In fact, he he says, I consider it rubbish. Uh, Scubalon. It's a word that could be translated like dung, waste, refuse, He says, those things, that doesn't matter. What matters now is that I know Christ, knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. And so when you ask people about their relationship with God, look how they respond. Maybe you've responded this way. Uh, You like talk about like what church you're part of. Um, You might talk about that I was baptized. Or you got a parent or a grandparent that was a, a Christian or very devout. Or you've got good church attendance. Or you got a button like you showed up at a, at a church for so many Sunday school lessons, you know, and more than you can count, but you got a little button to prove that you were there. Friends, these are religious deeds. I'm not saying that they're bad. In fact, many of that could be good, but you don't put your stock in like earning it, earning relationship with God. Not at all. 
When someone asks you, why are you going to heaven? It has nothing to do with you. Everything to do with him. Friends, if you've been conditioned, like if you're here tonight and you are a a very religious person, you put your stock in your bar mitzvah or your baptisms or religious behavior, you've jumped through the hoops. I want you to know it's hard to leave that. Folks coming out of some of these mainline religions, Catholicism, Protestantism, liberalism, that, you know, they've, they've been trained to go through motions following a calendar. Sometimes it's like a year or several years to really understand it's not in the rituals. It's not in going through the routines. It's in the relationship. And Paul, notice how he even refers to it. He says, verse 8, whom I have suffered the loss of all things. This is difficult. You suffer sometimes. It's painful. Don't think it's just easy to work out. Paul says, you know what? I suffered the loss of all things, and I count them but rubbish. Why? So that I may gain Christ. You see, knowing Christ gives us a new perspective about our past, but knowing Christ also gives us a new position before our God. Verse 9, you've got to underline it, and you need to put a mark on this. This one verse will make it crystal clear on how you and I have real relationship with God. And look what he says. I've got a new position before God that I may be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith. He says, not that I have a righteousness of me keeping the law. He was referring to the Old Testament scriptures, but if he's a Pharisee, he had only had the Old Testament law, but they had all these hundreds of other laws that they were meant to follow. I mean, it was just squelching. They just felt like they had a huge weight upon them. They're on, on the Sabbath, they had like how even far they could even move like on a certain day, on, on those days. I mean, it was so restricting. It was like a noose around their neck. And of course, they couldn't really follow it very well, but they were very judgmental to all the other people. And he's saying, that, that kind of trying to gain righteousness through the law, that's not it. It's not derived from the law, not having a righteousness of my own. Like, you earned this, derived from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. Your trust, your confidence is in Jesus, the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith. The righteousness that God gives. What he's referring to here is the imputation. That word means to put on one's account. This is the wonder of grace and God's sovereignty. That God took all of the sin of every person who would ever believe, and he poured that sin upon his son, who is perfect, absolutely righteous, kept all of the laws to man, He is fully God and he's truly man that he could be the propitiation, the one that would really satisfy God's just wrath against sin. He took it all upon himself. And at the same time, not only was our sin credited to Christ as if he had been the sinner, but his perfect righteousness was put on our account. 
And on, by the basis of faith in Jesus, we receive that righteousness. Friends, this is the gospel. This is revolutionary. This will transform your lives. There are no parallel illustrations of this. I'll give you a weak one. This doesn't even compare. But let's say you got a two-year-old and they won a Nobel Peace Prize. Okay? And you're like, right. What do they have to offer? Did, did they really earn it? No. It was, they didn't earn it. They probably can't talk very well. They don't even understand what it is. They're probably chewing on it. It's going to be a toy. And it's gonna, they're going to be done with it in about five minutes, right? It's, re, it's like, no, if that ever happened, you need to know that was an absolute 100% gift. They didn't earn it. They didn't deserve it. They hardly even understand what it might even be. So it is with righteousness, but to a far greater extent. You and I, we don't earn it. What do we earn? Judgment, sin. Jesus paid for it on our behalf, and you know what he gives us? His righteousness. We have a new position before our God. You know, there are only two kind of religions in this world. Did you know that? Only two. There is the religion that says, you can list like every ism, every cult, It's the religion of this in one category. You just do, 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 do this. You need to do this, now do this, do this. And then there is true biblical revelation Christianity. And you know what that religion is? Done. Jesus said, it is finished. He paid for it all. You don't earn it. You can't even keep it. It is 100% God. It is the righteousness that comes by faith in him. It is faith in Christ. And you and I, we are all our people of faith, aren't we? We exercise faith like, for instance, going across a bridge. Has anybody, and I know I'm looking out here, I see engineers. I got my son sitting out here. He's got a couple engineering degrees. How How many engineers have ever hopped out of the car and said, hey, kids, before we, uh, we uh, cross that bridge, I'm going to take a look at it and make sure it's structurally sound. I'm gonna, I want to make sure that that's got all the proper stamps, that this is done right. Did anybody do that? No. Really? Scott, you didn't? None, none of you guys, you guys are good engineers. No one has ever done that. Why? You exercise faith, and you believe that that bridge is going to carry me to the other side. We do the same like in public transportation, you know, like if you ever rode a subway or bus and you see it, the driver there, he or she looks pretty official. They're wearing a uniform. It's kind of stating where you're going, like, that's where I need to be. You got a ticket, and you get on the bus, and you get on that train, and you believe it's going to take you where you think you're, where you want to be. Friends, do you believe that Jesus can truly give you forgiveness of sins, his righteousness, heaven, eternal relationship with him, When you say, yes, my faith is in him, when you truly believe, that's when you have a new position before God. It's like this. Paul said, this is the glorious gospel. Romans chapter 1, verses 16 and 17. Paul writes this, for I am not ashamed of the gospel. For it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. doesn't matter if you're a Jewish person, Jewish background, or you're a Gentile, like most of us here. He says, for in it, the righteousness of God is revealed 
from faith to faith, as it is written, but the righteous man shall live by faith. Do you really want to live and have relationship with God? It comes on the basis of faith. You ever heard that statement, you know, it's not what you know, it's who you know? You ever heard that? My dad used to tell me that. It's not what you know, it's who you know. I've passed it on to others. There's a lot of truth to that. But there's a, especially a lot of truth to that when it comes to genuine Christianity. It's not necessarily even what you know, and I encourage you to know as much as you can, but it's that you know him. That makes all the difference. There's a person by the name of El Nishan Bakalayan. She uh, writes of her experience of a town in Stepanovan, Armenia, where she came across a, a woman who didn't actually go by her name, but was always referred to as Polisan's wife. Now, the woman definitely had a name, but everybody in the community, even she, referred to herself as Polisan's wife. And it's like, why would that be? Well, there was a reason for that. In 1988, there was an earthquake that struck Armenia. It was nearly noon, and Polisan, her, her husband, was at work when everything, the ground was just shaking. This was so severe. He ran from his job, and he ran to the school where not only his son was, but all the other students. When he got there, he could see that the, the facade of the building was actually starting to come apart. He ran into the building, and he successfully pushed out 28 children. When the last one kind of went out, all of a sudden there was that great, you know, follow-up earthquake, the aftershock, and the building crashed down with Polisan in it. And in order to just honor his memory and his sacrifice... This woman took it as like the great honor of her life to be Polisan's wife. And I tell you this because, friends, we're really not that important. Oh, I know. Our world tells us we need to make ourselves really well-liked and very important. We can be very narcissistic. But when we come to a real relationship with God, we recognize what we really are, sinners. And you're looking at the chief of all sinners standing up here. What I need is relationship. And the great honor of my life is to be known as one of Jesus, one of his people. And so, friends, if you really want to experience depth in your relationship with God, you just keep coming back over and over to this glorious gospel, to this righteousness. Whether you've had a good day or a bad day, Okay, whether it's, it's been great or, frankly, you should have stayed in bed. Whether you felt like I didn't really sin a whole lot and I was able to avoid all the temptations or this was not a good day. You just keep coming back to the righteousness of Christ. It's him. He's done it all. And my faith is in him. And what you're going to find is that's going to work in your soul, a depth of security, identity, warmth of relationship with him. You see, knowing Christ gives us a new perspective on our past. It gives us a new position before our God. And it also gives us a new priority for our lives. 
Look at this. Look at verses 10 and 11. Look at his priority. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death in order that I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. You see, knowing him promotes growing in him. The idea that, well, I know him, but I could care less about him. I don't care about the Bible. I won't affiliate with a church. It's all about me. I'd like to tell you, you might want to reconsider. You should examine yourself to see if you're really in the faith. Because to know Jesus, to really know him, not just know what he's done, died on the cross, paid for sins, but to know him in a relational way, that leads to growing in him. And that's what Paul is saying here. My whole orientation has changed. I want to know him. A sure sign of a person growing in their faith of healthy Christianity is that they're becoming more like Christ. They're not perfect. They never will be. But they're growing in holiness. You see it showing up in their attitudes, their actions, how they treat people, their ability to forgive, how they see their job. All of a sudden, it was that job, like, I just hate my job, and I really hate the people I'm working with, or four, to, you know, God has placed me here, and I have no idea why, but you know what? I think I'm here to bring God glory and to shine a little light in this dark place. You all of a sudden see that you got a whole different view to your finances. Instead of like, this is all mine, 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 and this is all my happiness and my hope is wrapped up in my little bank account or my 401k, to, you know what? <laughs> I am merely a steward passing through. I'm trusting God to be faithful. And your whole orientation to finances, your relationships, how you treat people, your family, your spouse, your friends, even your enemies, everything changes because of relationship with Christ because you have a new priority. And what is that? That I may know him. You see that? It's not that I, I just go through life and I'm happy I've got salvation, but I'm pretty much just going to do whatever I want, whenever I want. No, I want to know him. And that is so interesting that he uses this to know him. Because to know has the idea of like to be friends with, to know intimately. Like it said of Abraham, Abraham was a friend of God. How cool is that? A friend of God. That's what God desires for us to know. To know him as a friend. Not in a casual, flippant way. Obviously, we hold God with reverence and respect and awe. I mean, he is almighty. He is not to be trifled with. But to know that this one who is immensely powerful, all-powerful, all-knowing, all-wise, all-sovereign, is the very same one that desires intimate relationship, love, care, joy, for us to trust him like a child trusts their parent. He says, that, my friends, that I may know him. That is the priority of my life. To know him deeply and the power of his resurrection, to know the power of the risen Christ in my life. Friends, there is no power in keeping the law. If you've kind of up with your own law or you're trying to follow Old Testament laws, how's that working for you? You feel powerful? No. You feel defeated, right? You can't keep it. There's no power in keeping festivals 
and new moons. There's no power in religious routines. You might like, well, I don't feel as guilty anymore because I finally did that again. Actually, you know where the power comes from? To know his resurrection. And that's what he says. I want to know the power of his resurrection. The power that God gives us through his spirit so that we can overcome the temptations that come our way on a daily basis, that we don't succumb and just give in to them, so that we know the power to be courageous and not just being just a wimp and just chameleon and trying to match into the woodwork so that no one even knows that we're a Christian, but actually to know the power of his resurrection, to have security in our identity in Christ. And like, you know what? I don't think it's that big of a deal anymore to have a spiritual conversation. I'm going to bring Jesus into the conversation. Instead of living in fear, you live by faith to know the power of his resurrection. You know those, maybe you've got some addiction issues going on in your life. You don't have to be defined by that. Whatever those addictions may be, you can be defined by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I want to know him. Can God help you with your problems? Can he help you with mine? I can tell you he has been very helpful for me. And I can assure you, he can help you. See your identity not in your problems. You identify yourself as knowing Christ, a friend of Jesus, and watch God help you. You want help? He's even given us the Holy Spirit, who he's referred to, by the way, as the what? The helper, and he will. I want to know him, the power of his resurrection, to know holiness in my life. I want to share, notice what else he said. Here's something. Maybe you missed this. I had to underline this because I'd have to say for years, I wanted to skip over this. He said, I want to know the fellowship of his sufferings. I'm all for power, man. Yeah, strength, boldness, courage, the working of the Holy Spirit. But the fellowship of his sufferings, I uh, thought I could kind of pass on that. You know, I'm like, (laughs) somehow I'm going to be able to avoid sufferings, right? I won't have sufferings in my family. Hopefully I won't have any sufferings with the church and the people I'm going to minister to. won't have sufferings with neighbors, and I want you to know that I've had them in all those areas. But Paul says this, I want to know him in those sufferings. You see that? The fellowship of his sufferings. Paul recognized that the sufferings that he's going through especially those for Christ and for his kingdom and for the gospel, they led to an intimacy of relationship with him. Friends, if you're going through some deep, hard, difficult times, and as I'm looking around, I know some of you are going through horrendous issues. It is in these times of great grief where you're like, I feel like I'm completely unraveled and I'm barely hanging on. You know what that's like? To know the fellowship of his sweet fellowship in my sufferings. That's what God offers. His suffering is really a call to intimacy with Jesus. Remember that. When you're suffering, you may not even feel like turning to God, like I feel plum miserable and I'm just staying here. I've done that lots of times. But it's really a call to know the intimacy, the fellowship of Christ in your sufferings. And furthermore, he just keeps going. He says this, and being conformed to his death. The idea of death to self to giving yourself fully 
to living for the will of God. And this was manifested in Jesus right before he goes to the cross. You remember he's praying, Luke 22, verse 42? Father, if you're willing, let this cup pass from me. And yet, not my will, but yours be done. God's will, the sovereign plan through all the ages, is that he would go to the cross and be our payment for sins. And yes, he knew it, but he knew the gravity about what was about to take place. He's even starting to sweat drops of blood. But he completely gave himself to the Father's will. And that's what it means to be conformed to his death. (laughs) Not my will, God, but yours. To know the sweetness and the intimacy of that and that's what he, Paul, then concludes. He says, in order that I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. He's not just talking about the time where his body is going to be raised up with Christ. To know the resurrection of the dead is to experience Jesus' resurrection power joyously and joyfully in every situation. That's resurrection power. I once was dead in my trespasses and sins. Now I know the power of the resurrection from the dead. I can't do it. This is God and God alone. What Paul is saying here, do you really want to have depth in your relationship with Christ? To know Christ more intimately. You want to draw upon the power of his resurrection more increasingly. You want to enter into his sufferings more personally. And you want to be conformed to the image of Jesus more completely. What Paul is saying is that he desired an out-of-the-box experience with Jesus Christ. He was not into superficiality, certainly not into playing games. He wanted the full, real deal. Completeness, real relationship with God. And I just have a question for you on this Good Friday. Do you? Do you? Is that really what you want? Friends, let me tell you. Let me just take you to where we're going. As the book of Revelation closes, it says this, referring to the new heaven and the new earth. Revelation 21, verse 3, And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is among men, and he will dwell among them, and they shall be his people, and God himself will be among them. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there will no longer be any death, and there will no longer be any mourning or crying or pain. The first things have passed away. And he who sits on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. And he said, right, for these words are faithful and true. And that new, you know what, that starts and continues with us who are trusting in Christ. The purpose of life is to know Jesus Christ. Let's just pray.